I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. I'm Jonathan Goldstein, and you're listening to Wiretap on CBC Radio 1. Today's episode, Shush. Hello. Johnny, I'm so glad I caught you. Hey, Gregor. You go out in the world with that attitude. You know what the world is going to say to you? What attitude? All I said was hello. Your oh, woe is me attitude. I I got to tell you, Johnny, you're not conscious of it. But you put out a certain vibe. You know what I'm talking about? Uh Uh-huh. Anyway, let me come to my point, Johnny, because you're distracting me with your terrible attitude. Please. I finally was able to put my finger on exactly what the problem is. And what is that? It's every time you open your mouth. What what is that supposed to be? We're hearing you. As soon as you start talking, your attitude comes through. But I... Gregor, I'm on the radio. Well, that, as a matter of fact, is exactly why I'm calling you. To put a new plan into effect... Mm-hmm. You know how you're always complaining to me I never have time to listen to your radio show? Well, you are supposed to be my agent. I finally listened to your show. Mm-hmm. Howard, hilarious. Your father was adorable. Oh, thank you. People love Buzz. And your mother, I loved your mother. Uh-huh. Loved to have her over for dinner. Great. Seemed like a delightful person. Great. No wonder you have a drinking problem. How? So that's all the good news. Now, you know what they say about a chain, right? Mm-hmm. Only as strong as its weakest link. That's what they say. So let me, let me guess. I, I, I'm the weakest link. You don't have to be the weakest link. What I'm just thinking. But, but is, you are saying I am. But you are saying I am the weakest link. You're That's saying what you're that. Saying. I'm, here's what I'm saying. You need to stop talking. Well, I am. So go ahead. No, no, no. I don't mean just now, right now, to me. Although I need that. I'm saying on the radio show. What is that supposed to mean? I'm saying the more you talk, the less I like. You, you I mean, you do. You do realize that uh, a big part of radio. So, some might even say the most important part of radio is is sound. Yeah. Okay. So, in the absence of my voice, what would there be? All the characters who you've come to know and love and be loyal to, mm-hmm. minus one who, when he talks, there's just going to be silence. That doesn't make any sense. Let me break it down for you like this, okay? Let's say we were making, oh, I don't know, a tub of ointment. And let's say we discovered that there was a fly in the ointment. We remove that fly. No, would you say, no, Gregor, I am the host of the ointment. It doesn't matter if the fly is holding a microphone. How can you propose that I host a radio show Yeah. that they say at the beginning of the show, you're listening to Wiretap with Jonathan Goldstein, and then you never hear Jonathan Goldstein? I'd be finding it very mysterious, very enigmatic. I'd be wondering, who is this Jonathan Goldstein, who you never hear from, even though he hosts a show? I've never heard of a show like that. Perhaps I'd better tune in. You still have your show. Everything stays the same, only we edit out how the parts the, of you talking. How did, and how is that the same? When the first person invented Coca-Cola and he said, I'm going to put bubbles in, don't you think there were haters who said, oh, we can't have that? Yeah, but my silence isn't isn't bubbles. Bubbles is air. I'm sure the soda makers were like, no one's going to buy air. Well, why would you want air? And it turns out the bubbles are what people like in the Coca-Cola. It's the absence of soda, little round absences of Coca-Cola. That's you. Little absence of Johnny makes the heart grow fonder for that next lap of Coca-Cola. But absence, I mean, I'm, but, um... Johnny, your greatest gift to this community of people is your silence. I don't, I don't even know what you're talking about. I'm talking about silence. I'm talking about this. And some more of this. And one of these. That's what I'm talking about. 
No, Gregor, I am I am the draw. Don't you understand? No one's forgetting how talented you are. Did I ever tell you how beautiful silence? Your words, I don't know about, but you do silence with the best of them. Seriously. You know, I'm not saying anything anymore to you. Perfect. You're on the right track. The stern rabbi told the boy that he had to be careful when he prayed, because each word that he mispronounced crippled an angel in heaven. Hearing this, the boy was made power mad. Until then, he had considered prayer boring and inconsequential, but now it seemed like wizard spells that have actual power. The boy imagined that each word he uttered was like a bullet and his mouth a gun. Angels were like tin ducks lined up at a carnival, waiting to be popped off. Instead of, blessed be he, the boy would say, undressed be she. Instead of king of kings, he would say, ring-a-ding-dings. He had no overarching plan, no agenda. He just liked the idea of being able to do it. Imagine, he thought. A little runt like me, someone routinely held upside down by the big kids until my house keys fall from my pockets, can hold such power over the heavens. The boy began to pray out loud, under his breath, not just in synagogue, but everywhere, and all the time. After days of mispronunciation, the boy had a thought. As he prayed, a crippled angel might actually stumble up there, collapse onto his knees and fall through the clouds, right into his lap. If that were to happen, he would learn the angel's name. He would hold that angel and hug him all day long. He would dress his wounds and help him get better. That angel would be all the friends that the boy did not have. When the boy knew the angel was all better, he would not cling or be possessive. He would bring the angel close to his face and smell his good angel smell. And then, with all of his might, and possibly with the use of a slingshot, he would fling the angel back up into the sky. And if he ever became lonely or just wanted to say hi, all he'd have to do is call out to the heavens the angel's name making sure to mispronounce it. In heaven, all of God's angels would begin, for the very first time, to pray themselves. Please, please, O Heavenly Father, they would pray. Please return the world to silence. never realized that keeping your mouth shut could be so hard. How do you mean? So I've been doing this thing where I started seeing patients, or I guess clients, I should say, as, as kind of a therapist. And um, I, I didn't even, I didn't know that you studied psychology. I, I haven't. It's just something I kind of fell into. You fell into being a psychologist? Well, not a psychologist, but I started seeing an analyst 
a few years ago because mm-hmm. I just needed someone to, to talk to. And I was paying him 150 bucks an hour to basically just sit there and listen to me. And he ne- like rarely said anything. Maybe like once every three sessions would he ask me a question. Really? Is, that, is that how rare it is? Yeah. I mean, it was really annoying because whenever he would say something to me, it would just completely take me out of the moment. Like I was actually in the middle of breakthroughs where I felt like I was finally putting a piece together and he would stop and ask a stupid question and break up my train of thought. And I think I would have just gotten more out of it if he just wasn't even there, if I was talking to the wall. You know, the more I thought about it and the more money I spent, I'm just like, Mm -hmm. all I need to do is just carve out space to think and to talk things out to myself. I don't need an analyst. Yeah. So about a year ago, the hair salon I was working at closed down, and I needed a quick way to make rent money. So I started looking around on Craigslist, and, you know, people are offering all sorts of weird stuff on there, like, you know, cat washing and manicuring people's terrariums. So I thought, why don't I just offer the thing I would want, Mm -hmm. which is just an affordable kind of listening ear for people who need someone to talk to. So I posted an ad saying, professional listener, 40 bucks an hour, I will sit and listen to your problems. But I would imagine that would be sort of risky to pose. I mean, you're presenting yourself as somewhat of of an expert. Well, I mean, I'm not officially saying that I'm a therapist. But but I mean, even even so, I mean, you're dealing with people who are often in a vulnerable state, no? Yeah, but there's so many people who are in vulnerable states who can't afford any kind of help, any kind of therapy or Mm -hmm. anything. So, I mean, having unqualified help, is that worse than having no help at all? Besides, my ad said that I would just sit and listen without saying a word. So, really, I'm not dispensing advice. I I can't be held culpable for telling someone to do something or sending them down the wrong path. I'm just sitting there listening. Hmm. It took a few days for anyone to respond, but eventually someone emailed me back. She was a 16-year-old who'd just broken up with her boyfriend, and her friends were just getting tired of listening to her complain about it. So, you know, we met in a park after school, and... I just listened to her for like an hour. It was the easiest 40 bucks I'd ever made. And then, I mean, I kept getting calls. I got a call from a guy who just lost his benefits at at work, and, you know, he couldn't afford therapy sessions. He had been a traditional therapist. And Mm -hmm. I went over to his place, and, you know, I was a little bit nervous because it's not a 16-year-old girl. It's a grown man. So I, you know, texted my friends the address in case got murdered or something Mm -hmm. and he just laid down on the couch like I was his therapist and talked for an hour straight like didn't take a breath it was all super boring I just sat there and I nodded what were his problems oh it was like how his favorite car mechanic closed shops and now I can't find someone who's cheap or how his world of warcraft avatar lost his shield and got wounded in battle and you know stuff like that (laughs) the hard thing was to not laugh or fall asleep and also his house smelled kind of weird. I think there was like a dead mouse in the wall. Mm. But like I, I did feel like I was helping him by just being there and listening. I mean, to tell you the truth, I, I didn't get the sense that he had many friends or anyone to really talk to. Mm-hmm. I actually ended up seeing him twice a week for like three months. Holy cow. And at that point, he actually got into a relationship which was really surprising and made it much more exciting because he actually had problems I could grasp. Exciting for you. Exciting for me, yeah. And his place even, he he started to pick up after himself. He bought a couple plants. He even changed out, like, the ratty Star Wars sheets that he had on his bed to something, like, that looked actually adult. And it it was clear that this girl was making a positive impact on him. I mean, I saw a photo of her on his fridge, and 
She was attractive. Like, she looked like a normal, nice woman. But the way he would talk about their relationship, it was, it was obvious that he was sabotaging it, and he was going to drive this girl away. How do you mean? I mean, this girl was clearly interested in him. He was clearly interested in her, but he wouldn't even show it. Like, she would text him at 9.30 at night and be like, hey, you know, what you up to, honey? And he would say that he wouldn't get back to her until two days later, when all he was doing was playing some game on his computer. Or, like, she had knit him the scarf, and he told her that the wool was too itchy on his skin. Hmm. Like, there were all these signs that she liked him, and he was trying to play it super cool. But I, you know, I, I said I was going to sit quietly and listen, so, you know, I, I tried to hold my tongue. Mm-hmm. You know, as weeks went on, it got harder and harder to just contain what I was thinking. Like, I felt bad for this guy, and I started to really root for him. It was clear he hadn't had a girlfriend for years, and, like, it was so hard to not say anything when he was in danger of sabotaging the one good thing in his life. So one session, he's just going on and on about how his girlfriend wants to move in with him, but she's not the kind of girl he pictured himself ending up with because she wears, I don't know, like, overalls, and she doesn't want to listen to him blather on about his video game triumphs of the day, and... Like, all these petty reasons. And it just, it started to grate on me. Like, who the hell does he think he is? Like, he could not do better than her. And so I'm just sitting there, kind of rolling my eyes, and trying not to chime in. And all of a sudden, he kind of kind of props himself up on the couch, and he looks over at me and just says, I just want a girl who's a better listener, you know, a, a little quieter, like you. And I, I couldn't keep quiet anymore. I just ended up blurting out to him that he should be glad that someone can even stand him enough to even consider the idea of moving in with him. And I said if he keeps rejecting everyone who comes along for stupid, petty reasons, then he's going to die alone. Wow. I was so mortified. I was so embarrassed that I lost my cool, and I freaked out at him. And so I just grabbed my bag, and I, I left. I ran out, and I never called him back. He never called me. And I just, I stopped doing the listening sessions. I just, you know, I guess I didn't trust myself to not do that again to someone. But it was, it was, it was weird. Like about, I don't know, six months later after I'd kind of forgotten about it, I picked up another job at my friend Cindy's salon, and I spotted him across the street. He, he didn't see me, but when I got home that night, I was curious what had become of him. And so I actually Googled him. And one of the first things that came up was this engagement announcement. And it was with that same girl, the one whose picture I saw in the fridge. And, you know, they looked pretty happy. And, and you feel like that might have had something to do with you because you you said something? I don't know. I mean, listening is hard, and I don't, I don't know that I'm really cut out for it. But, I don't know, maybe he's a really good listener and actually heard me. favorite one-hit wonder or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have or that tv show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon now what if we could fix it 
I'm Francesca Ramsey. And I'm Delon Grant. And after 20 years of friendship, we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called Let Me Fix It. Each episode, we'll dig into our favorite celebrities, shows, and brands of yesteryear, and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today. Think of our show as an intervention, but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. When Ben first heard his dog Ruffles talk, there was something about it that felt inevitable, like everything until that point had been an awkward pause in their conversation. In the beginning, most of what the dog had to say was limited to some variation of, are you finished eating that? It was exciting, but there was no hope of getting Ruffles to speak to any deeper or ontological matters, like, what's it like to be a dog? How is it that you've begun to speak, as the dog was always so hungry? If he could only satiate his appetite, Ben thought, then perhaps they could move on to matters more profound. So Ben began to stuff the dog with food, in the hope that once he was full, he'd be able to pick his brains. For weeks, he fed him multiple meals a day, the empty cans of dog food piling up in all corners of the kitchen. When Ruffles was finally ready to move on to a new topic, he weighed close to 200 pounds, which, as he was a dachshund, gave him the look of an overstuffed bratwurst. How is it, asked Ben as he took Ruffles out for a slow, lumbering walk, that you've begun to talk? Dunno, said Ruffles. Do dogs believe in God? asked Ben. And if so, do they think he or she looks like a dog? Dunno. Ruffles didn't seem to know any more about anything than humans did. The days passed with Ben asking his questions and Ruffles responding with indifference. As it turned out, the only things Ruffles seemed to hold strong opinions about were little things, like the proper use of who versus whom and pronunciation for which he was a stickler. It's pronounced internet, scolded Ruffles, not internet. And it's human beings, not human beings. And what do you dogs think of us human beings? Ben asked, trying to change the subject and get at something larger. We laugh behind your backs for picking up after us, Ruffles snapped. But... We human beings love you so. You also love TV and fast food, Ruffles said dismissively. But our love for dogs is different. Ben knew this was certainly true for himself. He'd raised Ruffles since he was a little pup, no larger than a cocktail weenie. And he was glad to finally be able to express that love and have it comprehended, if not at all reciprocated. The weeks passed and it seemed as though Ruffles was never content unless he was contradicting his master. If Ben said it was cold outside, Ruffles said it wasn't cold. It was just turtleneck weather. If Ben said cantaloupe was better than honeydew, Ruffles said honeydew was better than cantaloupe. 
Ben began to long for simpler days, back when his dog did not speak. In his silence, Ruffles had always seemed to be such an agreeable dog. Were Ben to have imagined him talking back then, it would have not been in the voice of a cranky schoolmaster, but in the pleasant, drawling voice of, say, Owen Wilson. Engaging with a talking, contradictory dog for weeks on end will take an adverse toll on a person, and unsurprisingly, Ben began to feel his grip on reality loosen. He tried to be the master, tried to assert his natural dominance, but it wasn't long before Ruffles, who'd begun insisting he be called Reginald, started to take control. He undermined Ben at the dog park, made rude remarks about his hygiene in front of his friends, and sent him off to bed each night, whispering invalidating vocalizations into his ear as he drifted off to sleep. Eventually, Ben decided to head off for an open-ended stay at a country sanitarium where he could be in nature to spend time with flowers, trees, and animals that were silent. Be a good boy while I'm away, Ben said uncertainly as he shuffled out the door. Do not patronize me, sneered Ruffles. With the place all to himself, Ruffles was glad to get back to what he cared about most— eating, not talking. It was while standing in the kitchen about to fix himself a snack as he stood staring at the cupboards that a realization slowly began to take hold. Opening his mouth, Ruffles very quietly muttered, To whom will I turn for help in opening these bloody cans of dog food? for a can of peas. What is the world coming to? Where's the prunes? Used to be in the can section. Maybe they're keeping it in the fruits. Monday. There's a cleanup in aisle four. Cleanup in aisle four. What the? A jar of pickles has fallen to the ground. Or did it jump? Is that? We will never know. Howard? The sour juice spills out onto the tiles what the? like lifeblood seeping from a wounded hero. Hell! Salt forever in its wounds, getting itself into quite the pickle. What's the story with pickles, folks? Where's that coming from? Is it just a glorified cucumber? And what's with the kosher pickle? Well, it makes it kosher. Howard? Did the rabbi eat it? What are you doing? Oh. Hey, John. Hey, I, I didn't know you shopped here. W- what's going on? You, you, you can't just hijack a grocery store PA system like that. You're going to get kicked out. I'm not getting kicked out, John. I work here. Okay, this is my radio show. What do you mean, radio show? This time you're walking to my studio. You are aware you're in a grocery store. I'm aware of where I am. Behind this, a butcher counter. This is this is live on the scene broadcasting, John. You wouldn't know anything about this. If you excuse me, I'm on air. God. <clears throat> and now for a little request from Kathy in the fish aisle. She'd like to hear easy listening track number six. Kathy, here you go. From me to you. So, so what, they just let anyone come in here and talk on this thing all day long? 
They pay me to talk on this thing all day long, John. Who in the world would pay you to blather into a PA system in a grocery store? My friend Nick, the delivery guy, this is his cousin's supermarket. Oh, I see. They hired me to do all their in-store announcements. But, you know, I thought, why waste everyone's time with the same old spill in aisle three, battery to checkout counter, blah, 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 when I can take it to the next level? Mm Mm-hmm. So the show is called Shopping with How. Shopping with How. Shopping with How. And it's on from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Monday to Friday basically the opening hours of the store, and it's quite the hit. Howard, no one's listening to you. They are listening. They're going about their business. They're shopping. I'll have you know, John, I have fans, okay? Oh, really? I have fans, and they're way more dedicated than your fans. Oh, are they? Yeah. See that woman? See that woman there behind the mound of bananas over there? She's been gently squeezing that cantaloupe for an hour and a half. You know why? Because she's enjoying my show. Oh, I see. It's engrossing, and people never want to leave. Oh, and what's with the bloody apron? This is my uniform. This is my broadcaster's uniform. That's a broadcaster's uniform. Yes, it is. Are you working here as a butcher's assistant? That's that's part of the job, but that is not the full job. Because, you see, at the CBC, they don't actually make us host our radio shows while slicing kielbasa. All right, but let's say let's say you're, you're in the middle of a corner and you want to make a sandwich. Can you, can you get access to a sandwich like that? No, you cannot. Howard, I don't, I don't even know where to start with this. And welcome I'm... back to Shopping with Hal. Just wanted to let you know that there's a special on Mania today, shoppers. Just ignore that expiry date. Don't let Big Mayo tell you what you can and cannot eat. And you know what else is special? Turning 65. That's right. It's Mr. Stefano's birthday today. One of our most loyal customers. Mr. Stefano, swing by the bakery counter to get a free sample of cake. And don't forget a slice for me. Okay. Well, I, I'm going, Howard. I, I'll let you get back to your little radio show. Okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish my shopping. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Actually, you know, it's actually kind of cool that you're here. Would you want to do a cameo? A cameo on, on, on the grocery PA system. Oh, you listen to the tone in your... It kills you. It kills you to be a second banana, doesn't it? You can't take... Put your ego aside for one minute. I'm sure everyone will get a real kick out of hearing your voice. Why, why is that? You know, because they probably know you from my show. How do they know me from your show? Well, you know, you, you know you're always talking about me on your show, so, so I, I talk about you sometimes on, on my show. And so they're familiar with you. And they, they know you. What do you tell them, Howard? I tell them. I tell them about my friend John. And he's got a bit of a drinking problem, and he's, I, he's always getting up to these zany antics. And what antics? Like misplacing your grandmother's ashes, or, or losing your passport over and over again. Lose, and me, mean you flushing my passport down the toilet. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a special guest in the studio today, Jonathan Goldstein. Howard, no you don't. You know him from Howard. his rambling monologues on our competitor station, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. Howard, I don't... And from the recording of his poetry reading and his high school talent show that I played on the show last week. What are you, you, what? Please welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Jonathan Goldstein. Howard, I'm I'm not doing this. Folks, isn't that cute? He's, he's a little shy. I don't... Almost as shy as the time he peed his pants in front of the whole school in grade nine. Folks, that never happened. He doesn't, he doesn't know what he's talking okay, about. Okay, let, let go of the microphone. Howard, get off. Just I let go of the mic. I'm controlling the mic. You just speak. Turn this off. Let go. On Wiretap today, you heard Gregor Ehrlich, Jennifer Brandel, and Howard Chakowitz. Wiretap is produced by Mira Bertwintonic, Crystal Duhame, and me, Jonathan Goldstein. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.